What a SummerSlam. <laughs> part SummerSlam, part Summer Sham. What's up? My name is Fred Ricciani. This is TSC Wrestling. If you're new here, please consider subscribing, liking, subscribing, wherever you're watching or listening. We appreciate y'all. Newly launched YouTube channel just for TSC News Wrestling section, youtube.com slash TSC Wrestling. If you're watching on Facebook, you already know the deal. If you're listening on the podcast, you already know the deal, TSC News Podcast. But if you're specifically watching on YouTube, I thank you because we created this new wrestling channel, especially with everything going on. Boy, there's a lot going on, as most of you probably already know. CM Punk is back, AEW. That was a beautiful moment. And what do you know? We had SummerSlam tonight, or I guess... Last night, this is very reminiscent of pre-WWE Big Four pay-per-views, particularly WrestleManias, prior to the pandemic. Pre-pandemic WrestleManias, where they were, oh my goodness, exhausting lengths of time. Now, this event technically started at 8, if you want to say 7.30 with the Big E and, and Baron Corbin match, okay. And it did not end until 12.04 a.m. Eastern time. Wasn't the point of running at Allegiant Stadium to get a big crowd that's also there for the Pacquiao fight and get them out of there so they could leave in time for the Pacquiao fight? I don't know. But we had an interesting show. I think the the big news right now that we're just coming off the heels of, and I might as well tell you all, Brock Lesnar is back. Brock Lesnar looking like a real freaking Viking. And, and fun fact, he was a Minnesota Viking for a cup of coffee back in the day. Brock Lesnar is back. He confronted Roman Reigns after the main event, which saw Roman Reigns defeat John Cena to retain the Universal Championship. I, he had this ponytail. He was looking straight out of the cast of Vikings or Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I dug it. And he confronted Roman Reigns. Paul Heyman said no, no, because of course Paul Heyman is no longer his advocate and storyline. And, uh, well, Mr. Reigns backed off, and we will see what happens from there. But that was a pretty freaking cool moment, not going to lie. Although, this whole night for me was kind of marred by what happened earlier. Now, you might be asking, what happened earlier? You know, was your night marred because Seth Rollins lost to Edge in a great match? No. Were you disappointed that Damian Priest beat Sheamus in a great match to win the United States title? No. I love that. That was awesome. That's not why I was disappointed. I was disappointed because, well, Becky Lynch returned, which was great, by the way. And she returned at the expense of squashing Bianca Belair. Yeah. So if you haven't seen this show... We'll start from the beginning, and then we'll make our way to the, the true low point of the show. And I thought the low point of the show was going to be Alexa Bliss versus Ava Marie. I really I really and truly did. And it was, and on most nights it would be, but not tonight. So SummerSlam kickoff, we had Big E versus Baron Corbin. Perfectly fine or opener. I really like this destitute Baron Corbin character. They're investing a little too much into him as far as TV time. Which, I don't know. I mean, I guess somebody just really likes him backstage. Nothing wrong with him. This character is great. This is actually my favorite Baron Corbin character since his character in NXT where he just squashed people. Uh, and honestly, I think he should have been that guy on the main roster coming up instead of 50-50 booking and being a geek and dressing like a freaking Applebee's waiter. No offense to my, my homies that are Applebee's waiters. Uh, but, you know, this is fine. It was perfectly fine. It was really good. And uh, Baron Corbin... 
uh, remains destitute and willfully ignorant and still trying to raise $100,000. If you could just get that yacht and steal that money in the bank briefcase, maybe things will change. But Big E got the win. Uh, in the actual pay-per-view opener, Matt Riddle and Randy Orton defeated AJ Styles and Omos to win the Raw Tag Team titles. Solid opener. Uh, really like this. The right team won. Again, I know some people have a lot to say about Matt Riddle, and believe me, I totally understand it You know, with the stuff outside of the ring. Uh, but as far as in the ring, I mean, Randy Orton and him have really good chemistry in the ring backstage. And Randy Orton continues this streak of weird tag team partners. Let me just look this up to keep myself honest here. So Randy Orton has won the tag titles with Edge. Radar RKO was, was a fantastic team. For all you youngins that didn't get to experience them, you probably should go back and watch on Peacock if, if you can find those episodes on Peacock. He won the tag titles with Riddle. And he won the tag titles with Bray Wyatt and Luke Harper. Very random. Edge, Matt Riddle, and Bray Wyatt and Luke Harper. R.I.P. Brody Lee. Yeah, that, that pr pretty random. I mean, other than maybe, it may be Edge. I mean, yeah, definitely, definitely the odd couple. I could have sworn he won. He won a tag title with John Cena. I guess not. He did a team with Cena in that one main event where they squashed the whole Raw roster. Seriously, that happened once. Anyway, we then had what I thought would have been the low point of the show, which was Alexa Bliss defeating Ava Marie. Uh, right woman won, but this match sucked. To give you the Cliff Notes version, Alexa Bliss, I guess, now has Bray Wyatt's character. It kind of sort of made sense at the beginning because Alexa Bliss and Braun Strowman kind of teased uh, having a love for each other. Uh, you know, a couple years ago at Mixed Match Challenge. Remember that? And then they brought her into the storyline for their awful, god-awful feud last year. And now both guys are released because Vince McMahon's a scumbag. And they kept giving her these wacky things to do. And now she has a doll named Lily. And I'm just going to say this right now. If you are a grown adult, particularly a man, but a grown adult who purchased this Lily doll SummerSlam weekend and you did not give it to a, a child. You know, you don't have a kid or a niece or a nephew or whatever. No, Lord knows why you'd buy that for a kid. But if you are not buying that for a kid and you are buying that for yourself and you are a grown adult, you belong on the FBI watch list. Hell, you might already be on the FBI watch list. I don't even know what happened after you freaking... I don't know what happened after January 6th. I mean, I don't trust you. That's all I'm, that's all I'm going to say. No buys. And actually, wow. So my boy Freddie Mitchell here, shout out to him. He just tweeted me and said that Brock Lesnar beat up John Cena after. Okay, I'm just going to turn it off because I want to get copyright. So, okay, I'm going to retweet that now. I just retweeted that on my Twitter, at Sports Courier, at Sports Courier. Uh, video, uh, courtesy of Ricardo Vacchier. I hope I pronounced that correctly, or Vacquier, shows Brock Lesnar destroying John Cena after the, the show, which, I don't know. Like, Don't you want to put that on the air? I mean, I know the show ran long, but what's a couple more minutes of killing John Cena? So who's the baby face in this feud, Roman Reigns or, or Brock Lesnar? Who the hell freaking knows? I don't know. Anyway, Alexa Bliss beat Ava Marie. It was terrible. Ava Marie was out of wrestling for five years, took her time to be an IG model. Nothing wrong with that. 
But she didn't bother to get one lick better on the mic, in the ring, in virtually anything related to pro wrestling. She was too busy giving uh, terrible takes on Colin Kaepernick being sponsored by Nike, her and her uh, wannabe uh, Hollywood husband, so or her house husband. So, yeah, Alexa Bliss beat her. Afterwards, Dewdrop, a.k.a. Piper Niven, Viper Niven, uh, turned on her. She made fun of her. Uh, said, the winner or the loser is Ava Marie and walked out on her. A complete waste of time. We had Shinsuke Nakamura later in the show do a little guitar solo deal with Boogs. That was kind of cool. And I would like to have seen Nakamura actually in a match, maybe against Apollo Crews or something like that. But it was fun seeing Pat McAfee jam to the theme song. And yeah, Pat McAfee's a gem. The, sec- the first biggest mistake the Indianapolis Colts ever made was letting Peyton Manning go. The second was Pat McAfee. The third was Andrew Luck. In that order. Don't at me. We had a really awesome match with Damian Priest and Sheamus. Damian Priest, a.k.a. Punishment Martinez, former TSC News guest, former ROH television champion. He beat Sheamus to win the U.S. title. I believe he kicked out of a bro kick at one point. This was awesome. And both these guys, keep in mind, are not young guys of... Damian Priest, he is young in WWE years, but he is not a young guy. He's in his late 30s. Uh, he's overcome a lot in his life and a lot of setbacks to get to this point. You know, a Monster Factory product. Shout out to my guy, Danny Cage, Leon St. Giovanni, uh, Gabby Ortiz, countless others who came from the Monster Factory. He also famously trained the Big Show back in the day and actually Sheamus and Riddle. So, yeah, a really good night for the Monster Factory. He got the win here. Uh, won the U.S. title. Really, really good stuff. Uh, but things were about to go downhill. And by the way, before I get to the rest of the results, I just want to shout out all the people watching the actual live stream. Dan Foster, Freddie Mitchell, Carter, Amanda, Jamari, y'all, DJ, you guys are all awesome. Thank you so much for your support. F- please feel free to like and share this. Anyway, so we then had... One of the lo- well, okay. Usos versus Mysterios was pretty good. Usos won. Nothing we haven't seen before. Crowd was really hot for Rey Mysterio, only to beat him. And I know they're teasing dissension with Dominic. I think that's stupid. Nobody wants to boo Dominic and Ray. Nobody wants to see them feud. And I have a lot of respect for Usos as a tag team, and I think they're they're one of the greatest tag teams of all time. But let's keep it real here. And I got nothing against this guy personally, and I pray that he gets help or is getting help right now. Jimmy Uso has a problem. He very clearly has displayed signs of a drinking problem. At the very least, a problem with responsibility when consuming alcohol and then getting behind the wheel of a car. And he has been consistently rewarded since his most recent arrest. I like the guy. I wish him the best. I don't even want to see him lose his job necessarily, okay? But you got to you gotta send him away for a little while. Do some angle where Roman Reigns takes him out, or I guess maybe Brock will take him out. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Dominic and Ray, I feel like could be a fun tag team with as tag team champions. I know they won them before, but they're in the Thunderdome. The lame-ass Thunderdome. I give him this moment here. I think it would have been nice, but nope. Uso's got the victory. Not terrible, but, you know, what kind of message does that send? Well, if you think that sends uh, the wrong message to the locker room, uh, 
Think about this one. Bianca Belair comes out. She's getting ready to wrestle Sasha Banks. Keep in mind, we had a big-ass video package before this match for Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. There, if you didn't know, there have been reports that Sasha Banks was not at the show. We, we don't know why. They're just, that, that's just been the deal. It's been kind of weird. And, and it's been weird because there were at least two occasions, maybe three, where Bianca versus Sasha was advertised for a house show, an on-televised event, and it was removed from the show. Now, the weird thing is, I believe Bianca was removed off the show, too. So, naturally, people are going to say, well, maybe it's COVID. God forbid. You know, maybe some kind of injury. God forbid. But WWE kept advertising Sasha Banks. Now, here's where the plot thickens, right? So Bianca Belair does her entrance, and I think almost every cha- yeah almost every champion other than maybe Roman Reigns entered the ring first, which is just a stupid WWE trope, and it makes no sense if you watch your know, real combat sports. So she enters the ring, and then the announcer says Sasha Banks is unable to compete tonight, or whatever they said, whatever verbiage, and they bring out Carmella. Crowds booing. Crowd's just down. They're crapping on this. And, of course, you know, typical Vince McMahon. Let's bring the crowd down, damn it. Only to bring them back up. And they brought out Becky Lynch, who interrupted Bianca Belair after she said, Sasha Banks, we will face each other in this ring soon enough, but I'm going to kick your ass, Carmella. And then Becky Lynch came out, dressed for a fight. Actually, for any of my my WWE 2K20 players, I know that game was rough. Becky Lynch came out dressed exactly like she looks like pretty much in WWE 2K20. You know, same gear and all that jazz. And uh, came out, you know, ready to wrestle. Super happy. Humongous pop. I'm thinking she's going to make this a triple threat. No, instead she beats up Carmella. Cool. Awesome. It sets up a match for next pay-per-view, Bianca versus Becky. No. Do you know what happened? Becky Lynch, and I did it, by the way, I did a super long podcast just on this during WrestleMania because it's pissed me off so much. So uh, for the sake of not repeating myself, if you want to check that out, I'll put it in the podcast feed, but it's on YouTube and Facebook right now if you want to check it out. So Bianca stares down Becky. Becky challenges her to a match. Bianca says, okay. And I originally thought it was like 11 seconds. It might as well have been 11 seconds, 25 seconds. It doesn't matter. The... Before I could like really blink and breathe, I guess they shook hands and Becky Lynch gave Bianca Belair a cheap shot, like a forearm or something, and then pins Bianca Belair one, two, three. I think the official time was like 25 seconds to win the SmackDown women's title. Just... I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, I, again, I touched on this before. I'll, 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 just, I'll, just, I'll just say, okay, it's the optics look freaking horrific, okay? Take away race for a second. You built up this marketable young woman who is super talented, who is everything you could ever want in a superstar and quote-unquote role model. She makes her own gear. She's great with media. She's got a wonderful story. She is a homegrown talent. 
She main evented WrestleMania and you beat her in 25 seconds. I'm not going to say the number. It's seconds. You beat her in seconds. Okay. Now let's go to the optics of this because this is what happens when you don't have, you don't have diversity yeah, at the top. And I know some people say Nick Khan. Okay. How many black people do they employ at the top? I'll wait. Anyway. So the returning, conquering white superstar beats the new history-making black superstar in seconds on maybe the second biggest show of the year. And again, if you take race out of it and the optics out of it, just the creative optics, you built up this person for nine, ten months. You gave her all these vignettes. Did all this stuff. And I know some people are going to say, well, other people have been squashed before. I know some people are going to say, well, uh, you know, well, you know what, Frederick? They're going to feud. They're going to have a feud. Yeah, they're going to have a feud. That's great. You could still have set it up better than a freaking squash match. Okay? I'll just, I'll just give you the Cliff Notes example I gave in my previous podcast, okay? I'll just, I'll just put it this way. How many world champions have been squashed in WWE history who were the guy, the top guy, the top girl of their respective brand, like the, as in they were pushed like the face of the company. Daniel Bryan versus Sheamus doesn't count, even though that was disgusting too, although it worked out for him in the long run, because Daniel Bryan was kind of pushed as like a chicken crap heel, a scared heel. You know, he wasn't booked like the guy. Hmm? He wasn't booked like the guy. Who else? Okay, Bray Wyatt lost to Goldberg. That was stupid in retrospect, but... I mean, The Fiend, by that point, had already lost a lot of steam. Whether or not it was Goldberg or Roman Reigns to beat him, the reality is he lost steam by that point. Just think about this. Did Steve Austin ever have a loss like this when he was a top guy? Did Shawn Michaels ever have a loss like this when he was a top guy? Bret Hart, The Rock, hell, any of the four horsewomen that cash-ins don't count. Edge, Cena, Batista, Orton. Anybody? No. Who are the two world champions who made history at WrestleMania that 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 were squashed like this? And not for the better. Kofi Kingston, Bianca Belair. Kofi never got his follow-up. It looked horrible. First African-born WWE champion in history. Got destroyed by Brock. No follow-up. Fast forward four years later, Bianca Belair destroyed by Becky Lynch. I would imagine that she will get a rematch. But for all the people that are saying, oh, Bianca will be fine, I'll stop. Okay, listen. <laughs> okay, this is going to sound. I have a lot of friends who are wrestling fans who happen to be black. I'm trying to say it in a way that's not like, you know, oh, I have black friends like these idiot racists say. Okay. I have a lot. Of, I talk to a lot of people. Different backgrounds, right? I host a live show. I host a TV show. I got a podcast, all this stuff. I have an audience that's known me for a while. The From all backgrounds, but particularly all my black friends, my black wrestling friends, the it is overwhelmingly negative. Now, it is very possible somebody in the back or people in the back did not think that this was a, a racially racial thing, right? I, I would imagine a lot of people are probably just oblivious, like, okay, 
and we'll get a pop and blah, 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 and we'll shake things up and we'll get heat. Becky Lynch will turn heels. We'll get, we'll get heat. But the optics are terrible. And the reality is perception is reality. And if you go on Twitter, if you check social media, if you talk to some people that might not look like you, who happen to like wrestling, I think they will concur with what I'm saying here. It just looks bad. Creatively, it looks bad. Racially, it looks bad. Overall, it looks bad. And the bottom line, it's, it's stupid. It's dumb. It's just dumb. You know, somebody brought up before, like, Yokozuna versus Hulk Hogan. Okay. That was 1993. Okay. <laughs> Yoko just wrestled a match. Like, that's not comparable. All right? We're talking about 2021. This woman is being marketed as a role model. As a role model. As she should be because she is. She's like the definition of the American dream in the WWE universe. She made history at WrestleMania. The first black woman alongside Sasha Banks to headline WrestleMania. She won a damn ESPY. She won an ESPY. And you beat her in 11 seconds? Okay. If you're a great white hope returning, and no disrespect to Becky Lynch, she's great. She worked really hard to get to where she's at. This is not on, this is not on her. But yeah, it absolutely sucked. You can't convince me otherwise. You want to call me woke or whatever? Piss off. I don't care. I, I don't I don't care. And again, I'm not blaming Becky for this whatsoever. But I just really wish some wrestlers would, especially wrestlers with some some sway, some drawn power, some influence in this generation. Uh, I wish some of them would just be like, you know what? This is a really bad idea. I don't want to do this. You know, I know Becky's just returning and, you know, again, there's a bigger picture. But I, I just wish somebody would say, you know what, man? That's a stupid. That's a stupid idea. Such a stupid idea. You know, AEW say what you want about them, and look, I'm not hot on all their creative, as some of you may know, but more often than not, for their specific audience, they give them what they want. Not all the time, but more often than not, to the point where if you know a heel retains a title or something, it's surprising and it's interesting. Like MJF beating Chris Jericho, like that was interesting because you didn't expect that. You didn't expect them to tap him out. Uh, you know, CM Punk, they didn't have a heel attack him. They didn't have some interruption. They didn't have MJF pretend to be CM Punk and come. No, they just they just gave you CM Punk. They just gave you CM Punk. Becky Lynch, they could have just given us Becky Lynch. She could attack Carmella. That's it. Stare down Bianca and set it up for another time. You know, and if you were gonna do that match, which would be stupid to begin with, at least have it be competitive. At least have Becky really blatantly cheat rather than make the top baby face look stupid. Again, you don't have to agree with me. But perception's reality. Perception's reality. And and I'll leave it at that. And and Bianca Belair just deserved so much better. She really did. And, you know, this is for man. I don't know. It, some people, somebody's bringing up Goldberg here. Didn't Goldberg beat Brock Lesnar in a minute? Yes, but context is everything. Goldberg and Brock, two established stars with over a decade in the business, both protected. It was a legitimate surprise. It was something novel. It was interesting. 
and it led to a, a feud that made some money for these guys and, and for WWE. That's different from this. And also, for keeping it real here, I mean, Becky Lynch is Becky Lynch, and God bless her. She's one of the top superstars. She ain't Brock Lesnar. If you want to make a female comparison, she ain't Awesome Kong. She ain't China in her prime as far as, like, physical stature or anything else. I mean, Bianca Belair is more physically impressive as far as, like, her physique in terms of, like, you know, like, just looking like like a stronger like a stronger wrestler than a lot of the roster, man. I mean, she's jacked. She's jacked. I don't know. It just... It just it just was bad. It, it was bad. I mean, there's a time and place for everything, but this was very much... This very much gave me, gave me Kofi Kingston vibes. Not in a good way. And, yeah, I, I think a lot of people would, would concur with that. And this is the time when... The show for me, honestly, really went downhill. You know, there were a couple moments that kind of brought me back, but it was overall. I mean, this this kill. Okay, don't. Okay, let's take the racial component out of it for a second. Okay, let's take it out. Let's take it out of it. Let's let's pretend this is a white blonde woman. Whoever, name your favorite wrestler. Name your favorite wrestler. They made they quote unquote made them gave them a big push. You know, they they ascend to the top. They're protected. You invest all this time in them as a fan only for them to get treated like an enhancement talent. It might be for one night only, but one night only is too much. It's too much. Again, and for like the Brock Lesnar, John Cena thing at SummerSlam 2014, that was novel at the time. That was different at the time. That was Brock Freaking Lesnar, UFC heavyweight champion at the time, who had come off of beating The Undertaker at WrestleMania. With Cena having over a decade of being protected beyond belief, sometimes at the expense of a lot of young guys that could have gotten over. So, again, context is everything. You know, a lot of people are still learning about Bianca. She's a rising star. Yeah, she could win this on a SmackDown. Yeah, she could win this on the next pay-per-view. But all eyes are on SummerSlam. And I know, SmackDown's technically watched by more viewers than Peacock. I get that. But pay-per-views have a heightened importance. You know, more people may watch a UFC fight night at a given time. But, you know, if Israel Adesanya knocks a dude out at a pay-per-view, it means a hell of a lot more than on a random fight night on ESPN Plus or ESPN2 or whatever other ESPN they feel like putting it on. So... There you go. And yeah, this is where the show went downhill. But I'll get off my soapbox on this because I've already covered this uh, and beat it to the ground. And if, if you don't get it by now, then, then you never will. Drew McIntyre beat Jinder Mahal. I didn't watch this match. I was on autopilot mentally. Uh, didn't seem to go long. We had a triple threat match, which I, I watched in the background because I was also just completely demoralized and dejected. Charlotte Flair defeated Nikki Ash and Rhea Ripley to win the Raw Women's title. Seriously. So I'm going to do some great Wikipedia research because that's what journalists do. Even though I'm not really a journalist. And I'm going to see here. Okay, so she is a, she okay. She won the Raw Women's title for the sixth time. She won the SmackDown Women's title five times. She won the Divas Championship one time. So technically... In WWE land, she's a 12-time champion, I think, because at least the last time she won the title, which wasn't that long ago, I think they dropped off the NXT title reigns for whatever reason. 
because you know, if there's one way to make a brand important, it's it's to devalue it and erase it from history. Um, but technically, she is a 14-time women's champion. <laughs> a 14-time women's champion in like six years. Oh my God! And and I know somebody's gonna bring this up. But what about Edge? Yeah, Edge's were Edge's title reigns were excessive too. Uh, but I, I will say this: even though Edge's title reigns were excessive. You know, to an extent, more often than not, they were used as a vehicle to draw some money and, and set up a big feud. You know, or set something up that was fun. I mean, the only one you could, not the only one, the one that stands out to me that didn't go anywhere in retrospect was CM Punk beating Edge uh, when CM Punk cashed in the first time. Because I don't know if y'all remember, CM Punk proceeded to have one of the worst title reigns ever. They booked him all wacky, and then he got kicked in the head by Orton and vacated the title. And there was never like a, a he never got like his official rematch for for that belt on that brand, at least not that I remember. So, yeah, uh, but yeah, the qu- quality over over quantity, and yeah, Nikki Ash just won this match, or I'm sorry, just won the title. They put her in this match. They're presumably strapping the rocket to her, and she's losing already. I don't get it. Look, I don't like I don't like the gimmick. Even from what I understand, it's it's Nikki Ash's idea or ASH's idea, Nikki Cross's idea, and I I like Nikki Cross a lot. I don't like the gimmick only because it's not organic. When Hurricane Helms became the Hurricane, he did so through a course of weeks and maybe even like a month or two, where he was jaw jacking with Steve Austin as part of the Alliance back in two thousand one, and Steve Austin was like. You know, you got that Green Lantern tattoo. What? And it, it was organic, right? It was very organic. Started off as a comedy thing. And yeah, while he was a, a, a quote-unquote mid-carder, he had a hell of a little career. I didn't want to say little career. A great career. He had a hell of a little run initially as a Hurricane, as a heel for the Alliance. And then, you know, for years and years, like, he did really well. And he's still living off of that gimmick and doing really well. And he's also working backstage in WWE. And he's a great wrestler, great dude. So, yeah. But... This was an organic. She just kind of woke up one day and was like, "Hey, I'm Nick. I'm Nikki Ash. I'm a superhero. Woo! We're almost a superhero." And she's being booed at some house shows here and there. Although I don't think that's really her fault. I think they're just putting her in an awkward position, especially when uh, I think it was Char- yeah. There was one show recently, last weekend, I believe in Charlotte. They advertised Charlotte. Charlotte was in there, and then poor Nikki has to get the booze, even though it's not Charlotte or Nikki Ash's uh, fault. Ridiculous. And so, okay, you want to get behind her. Vince McMahon likes wacky things. Cool. Get behind her. They give her the money in the bank, which in retrospect, now that Charlotte just won the title back a month later, why didn't Liv Morgan win it? Where the hell's Liv Morgan been? So anyway, she wins money in the bank. She cashes in immediately the next night. And then she loses a month later. Wouldn't that have made wouldn't that have made more sense based on even Charlotte mentioning her if Becky Lynch returned on the bleak raw side of things and really kind of amped that up? This makes zero sense. And if Becky Lynch is supposed to be a baby face, if she's supposed to be a baby face, wow. Some baby face. Huh? And if she's actually supposed to be a heel after returning? Vince McMahon is clueless, man. People get mad when I say he's failed upwards. He really has failed upwards. WWE is an institution. 
They know how to make money. Nick Khan is absolutely ruthless and helping Vince McMahon cut all these people. Um, they're a publicly traded company. They got a lot of money behind them. But, you know, a lot of companies have a lot of money behind them. Doesn't mean they are ethical or good, at least more often than not. All right, we had Edge versus Seth Rollins and maybe the match of the night. This was fantastic. A lot of back-and-forth action. Seth Rollins reminded us that he is a great wrestler and he's not cutting these horrible promos and doing the stupid messiah or troll gimmick that he's one of the best of his generation. And Edge, I mean, Hall of Fame-level wrestler, to say the least. Yeah, I can't even say it anymore. Hall of Fame-level wrestler. There you go. Say that 100 times. Edge came out to the brood theme, which was great. He had the fire. I shouldn't know. There was no pyro on this show. I'm assuming that was an edict from the Raiders and Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. I have no idea why, but that was the deal. So Edge comes out to that. Then his uh, Alter Bridge music hits and great intensity, great match. Some people think it went a little longer. That was awesome. A lot of near, a lot of near falls on the show. You could tell that everybody here had their working boots on. Well, everybody other than maybe like Ava Marie uh, had their had their working boots on. This was this was just. Great match. Edge got the win with a cross face. He ended up getting it underneath the neck. You mean it was almost kind of like he was just wrenching that neck. Seth Rollins tapped out. Fantastic match. If there's one match you got to go out of your way to see, it is that match. Fantastic. The WWE title match, Bobby Lashley versus Goldberg, ended via referee stoppage. I thought Lashley technically won, but then I, I read that it's actually... the. Technically, they're listing it as referee stoppage, as in there's no winner, and Bobby Lashley just retains the title, which I don't. I mean, Goldberg couldn't continue because of the damage done to him by Bobby Lashley. Yes, MVP interfered as well. Um, this match, the, the first half was actually really exciting stuff, and had they kept it to like two to three minutes, this would have been great. There was a really scary spot where Bobby Lashley, in his mid 40s, goes up to the top. Goldberg picks him up and throws him off, kind of like, you know, Ric Flair, he'd always go up to the top and he always get, get thrown off the top. So Goldberg throws Bobby Lashley off the top. I'm assuming Bobby had a jump or whatever. I don't know. You, wrestlers, fellow wrestlers, if you could hit me up and just be like, yo, no, like, like that, just explain that to me. I, I don't know. Usually, from my understanding, usually it's the person throwing, throwing a guy that, that really kind of carries the brunt of it and the other guy maybe just pushes off a little bit. Whatever the case may be, Bobby Lashley is a huge dude. Goldberg's a huge dude, but he's older now, and he's got bad knees. And he throws Bobby Lashley off, and Bobby lands on the side of his neck and his shoulder. I damn near landed on the on his freaking head. It was a scary spot. There were a lot of scary spots here. There was a spot where uh, Lashley went for a spear, and Goldberg was turned inside out. Like I don't know. I'm a, I'm a longtime Goldberg fan. Full disclosure, I grew up watching Goldberg because he was the first wrestler other than Stone Cold and a handful of others like Sting and DDP who really got me into it back in, in the late 90s. And, you know, I always got a soft spot for Goldberg. And, hey, get that money, bro. But I don't know. This is maybe not the first time, but the first time. Yeah. I'd say, I'd say okay, maybe the second time. The Drew Ma- I'd say this and the Drew McIntyre match were the two matches where I really got nervous, where I was really like, okay. What's going on, Bill? Um, I wasn't totally nervous for the Undertaker-Goldberg match because I thought they'd work a smart match, and then Goldberg got concussed and dropped Undertaker on his head. And then, yeah, I don't know. I think this Goldberg experiment's over. Pay him a Legends deal. If you still if you still owe him a lot of money, just, just buy him out. I don't know, something. Or just 
pay him to make appearances or whatever the case may be. I don't know. Like at this point, Goldberg should be kept to like squashes like he did with Dolph Ziggler, you know, at SummerSlam, like something fun like that. I don't think he needs to be wrestling these long, growing matches, but it got worse because afterwards, Bobby will actually beat up Goldberg with a steel chair. Gage Goldberg, who I believe is 15 years old, the Goldberg son, who's going to be a wrestler eventually, jumps on Lashley. Lashley then puts him in the hurt lock, the full Nelson. And MVP says, hey, Bobby Lashley didn't know that, uh, that it was Gage behind him. It could have been anybody, which is clever, except for when you remember that this means that at some point, maybe even as soon as Monday Night Raw, this feud must continue. Jesus Christmas. Another match. Another match. Another match. We had Money in the Bank 2022 confirmed for Las Vegas next year. Because, of course, WWE has to you know, take a page out of double or nothing. Uh, the New Day sprayed John Morrison with and John Morrison and Miz with water. I barely watched this. I, I took a bathroom break. I guess they're doing Moist TV or Moist TV or something with John Morrison because Miz was injured, but now he's not really injured. I'm glad he's not injured, but they're still booking him like a comedy guy when he was actually a, a pretty good like upper mid Carter, you know, a few years ago. And oh, man, it, they're not subtle with this stuff. Like Miz and Morrison are great at comedy. But they're also awesome wrestlers, especially John Morrison. And they've just gone so far off the deep end that these guys are just complete jokes. You wouldn't even remember that Miz won the WWE title in February. Yeah, that actually happened. And the New Day, same New Day, same thing. Like I'm, I love the New Day, but after seeing how great Kofi Kingston is as a serious wrestler uh, back in whatever year it was, it was like 2009, it was made in 2019. And seeing how great he's been this year, I mean, I, I honestly, I honestly think that he should have been the one to win the world title from Bobby Lashley, and he could have done a deal where maybe Biggie cashes in or whatever. I don't know. Like that's how good he got. He, he's, man, I don't know. I'm just tired of of this of too much comedy in wrestling. And New Day is great at comedy, but I'm at the point where I really like this serious Kofi Kingston. He could do some comedy here and there, but I really like this serious Kofi Kingston and. I'd really like to see uh, Kofi Kingston uh, get back in that title picture. At least they had a follow-up, you know, unlike the, the Brock Lesnar thing a few years back. And then we had our main event, the Universal Championship. It was not a lame event. It was a re- very good match, but it was also like 1130-something Eastern Standard Time when it started. Roman Reigns beat John Cena to retain the Universal title. After, he won clean with the spear. Really good match. Uh, there was a, a few unique spots here, including John Cena AAing Roman Reigns through a table when Roman Reigns was running at him. That was interesting. Uh, a lot of near falls. It did get a little wacky, though. Like, you know, I'm watching with my dad, who's seen, like, everything. You know, he's been watching wrestling and combat sports for years and years and years. In fact, he's probably a bigger combat sports fan than I am at this point. And, you know, John Cena went, goes for the super AA off the top rope on Roman. And Roman kicks out. I am all for protecting Roman Reigns and your champions. And this is the same criticism I had with AEW. You also got to protect your finishes a little bit, right? I mean, look, this is SummerSlam. They pulled out all the stops. It's like the summer version of WrestleMania. I'm not going to hate it too much, right? There were tons of near falls throughout this whole show. But I don't know. Just the Super A is such a cool visual. 
It's been a fi- In fact, I believe John Cena won with the Super AA on Lashley back at Great American Bash 2007. Y'all should watch that match. It's amazing. So, I don't know. After that, it was kind of like, really? Okay. I guess Roman's winning, and he did end up winning. Hey, still an awesome match. Would have been even more awesome if it took place an hour earlier. But the right guy won at the right time. Well, not the right time as in Eastern time, but the right time as in August 2021. And after the match, Brock freaking Lesnar comes out. And if you're watching this live stream and you haven't already seen what Brock Lesnar looks like, here, I'm just going to put a picture up right here on my screen. This is Brock right now. He's got the freaking Viking haircut, looking like a long-lost son of Ragnar Lothbrook. Yeah. Brock meant business. He confronted Roman Reigns, as I mentioned at the top of the show. Roman backed off. Paul Heyman backed off. And that was that. So overall, you know what? It's it's. T- I want to give this show a thumbs down. I can't completely give it a thumbs down. I'll say this. In terms of match quality, Raw tag title match was perfectly fine. In terms of great matches, I think Priest versus Sheamus was great. Uh, the triple threat was pretty good, except for Charlotte winning. Nothing against her, but, I mean, we've seen it before. Edge versus Seth Rollins was great. And the Universal title match was pretty good. So, yeah, I, w- I would say sort of thumbs up. Or, no, I'd say, you know, I'll say thumbs in the middle. And the reason I'll say thumbs in the middle is Bianca Belair. The woman who could literally carry your company. Squashed in seconds. No buys. The optics of going back to Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. Uh, yeah, that looked bad. That 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 looked really bad. And yeah, what can I say? Shame on WWE, shame on Vince McMahon. Uh, you know, again, he's very lucky WWE's built to not go broke like ever and fail upwards because any other promotion, man, would, would be killing the town. Let's get to some of the comments here. I appreciate everybody rocking with me and, and following this recap. This was a, a long show for sure. Okay, Dan Foster says, Molly Holly 2.0 is the closest thing that they're going for when it comes to uh, when it comes to Nikki Cross. Yeah, I guess, but even Molly Holly, like it made sense. Like she joined up with Hurricane. There was another superhero. If they if they teamed her with her with the Hurricane and they made Hurricane an on air character again, that'd be fine. But they didn't even do that. They were just lazy. Like, oh, we have a superhero. We're automatically gonna sell merch. And then they took weeks to even come out with merch for this poor girl. And then they have her beat. Makes zero makes zero sense. Good on Twitter here. Edward Harrell says. Uh, Brock Lesnar looks fantastic. Looks like he lost a few pounds. Yeah, that dude is built like a mother freaking tank. But he's looking great. Carter says, no question, this was a thumbs down. Yeah, I'm leaning towards that. I'll say thumbs in the middle just because of some of the matches, but I don't want to take away from the other performers. But yeah, it was, it was that was a brutal booking decision. Uh, Zippy Key from the block. What's up, man? Says, I was at the event live. It was so much fun. I'm glad you had fun. Hope you stayed safe. Uh, DF says, I bet we'll see Goldberg versus, oh God, Bobby Lashley at Crown Jewel. Yeah. Carter says, that was almost a bully choke by, uh, by, uh, by Edge. Yeah, that's right. I was looking for the word. I was thinking like bulldog choke, but yeah, no, the bully choke. Is that, te- I think that's technically what, didn't Carlos Newton, I think Carlos Newton back in the day, uh, beat Pat Militich like that, you know, for the welterweight title before Matt Hughes started his dynasty. 
with, with, with that kind of headlock bulldog choke or boy choke. Let's see here. Denzel Pinkerton says Bianca got screwed. Tell me about it, bro. Tell me about it. Uh, Amanda asks me, what is Paul Heyman going to do? You go one of two ways here. You could have Paul Heyman turn on Roman Reigns, make Roman Reigns the top baby face, or you could just have Brock, you know, Roman beat Brock. I don't know. I wouldn't beat Roman Reigns right now. I wouldn't turn him babyface right now either. I, I would wait until you're really starting to hear some cheers from him again. You know what I mean? Even though uh, he did get a bit of a mixed reaction tonight. Uh, but you never know, man. They're always about heat. And with CM Punk returning, look, not that AEW is going to put Debbie out of business or anything, right? I think people are focusing on the wrong thing. Like, oh, they're going to put him out of business and this, that. It's not about putting them out of business. It's about taking a piece of market share. That's what it's about. Okay, Android's not putting Apple out of business and vice versa. That's not happening. But you could still take a big chunk of the market share. And, you know, AEW's doing really well in the ratings. AEW's doing really well in live attendance. You know, the one thing that they've been kind of lagging behind and just because of the fact they haven't been around all that long is licensing. They have merch and all that jazz, but, you know, they're not an institution. They're not a well-known name. But with them selling out these arenas, with them bringing in CM Punk, a legitimate major star, with them reportedly bringing in Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson down the road, things could change. Absolutely. Absolutely. They are a legitimate alternative. You know, they don't necessarily need to be as big as as, as WWE. But knowing Vince McMahon, whether he admits it or not, they do tend to respond. I mean, look at how many times they try to counter-program AEW uh, from the get-go with NXT as far as like you know doing the Halloween Havoc and this and that and Great American Bash and having main roster stars on the show to even just at the beginning just putting NXT against AEW to begin with when in the long run it would have been so much better if they just put it on Tuesday. I mean, who knows? Maybe NXT would have still had the decline after you know after like a year or so like it did. But it definitely would have gotten a better head start had you just put it on a Tuesday or a Thursday. So, yeah. I I don't know. It's... I mean, Vince loves Roman. You know what I mean? He also loves Brock. I, th- I think they'll just keep it on they'll just keep it on Roman. I don't know. It- it'll be interesting, though. A lot can change. A lot can happen. I mean, who knew that NXT was going to be gutted a few months ago? Who knew that Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman, no matter how you feel about those guys, would be released? And look, I was not the biggest Bray Wyatt fan as far as the character. I definitely don't want to see Wyndham Rotunda lose his job. I definitely think Wyndham Rotunda is... Creative enough that if you have the right people producing him, he can be an asset like he was in like 2014, 15 as Bray Wyatt from the Wyatt family. He could even have some elements of the fiend, but this whole Houdini thing just just sucked. But to cut him when he reportedly sold some merchandise, to cut Braun Strowman again, whether you like their work or not, think about it from the standpoint of the locker room. What does that? What message does that send? Like. You invested all these resources in these guys, and you just cut them loose. That sounds, yeah, that sounds a wrong message if you ask me. All right, uh, let's see. Brock Lesnar buried Kofi Kingston. Yeah, he did, and I hated that too. Absolutely hated that. Jamari Baker says Brock Lesnar as a face is interesting. Yeah, it hasn't been done in a while. It could be interesting for sure. Okay, uh, nice. It was a nice way to end the show with Brock, but that doesn't uh, overlook the mis the misgivings of this show. I agree. Totally, totally. Okay, Frey Mitchell said, people missed it, but Goldberg's leg legit gave out. Really? Is that the case? 
Is that what really happened then? Damn. In that case, somebody's need to got to communicate and call an audible or something and just say, hey, just, just have Lashley pin him, I guess. Or or call an audible where, you know, they declare Lashley the winner. I don't know. I, I guess he technically won in the fans' eyes. And I would imagine most fans do not want to see a rematch anyway. So, yeah, what, whatever, I guess. But it was just, it was just unfortunate. It was just, it was just very, very unfortunate. See, AEW is so hot right now. Watching WWE is very lackluster. Yeah, I mean, look, WWE, I would say, has the more professional wrestlers. And I'm not trying to give a backhanded compliment here. But WWE has the more professional wrestlers as in more, I don't want to say properly trained, more TV ready. It's probably the, the way to, to, to say it, right? Because a lot of AEW's talent's young. A lot of them are green. A lot of them haven't had a lot of reps. And honestly, even WWE stars haven't had a lot of reps these days as far as a like young talent, given that, you know, there was a pandemic. Uh, but WWE overproduces everything and overthinks everything. Whereas AEW, yeah, you may get a botch here and there. Yeah, some things may not look polished or pitch perfect, even though I think the, the show itself aesthetically looks great. You know, Rampage and, and Dynamite and the pay-per-views look really nice as far as like the lighting and everything else, the production values. But the show just feels more like a wrestling show. May, some people may disagree as far as like the philosophy of wrestling. That I understand. But in terms of just like the unpredictability factor, whether you think it's good, whether you think it's bad, whether you think it's so bad it's good, it's at least interesting. You're usually going to get at least one good match a week, maybe maybe two. Your time is going to be well invested in a sense that they usually pay off these storylines, whether storylines are good or not, whether they should stay running or not is another story. And, you know, it's just, yeah, there's a lot going on on the show, but it just feels like a wrestling show. Like wrestling inherently needs to be a little unpredictable, a little gritty, a little rough around the edges. It doesn't have to be perfect and slick and polished and i think that's the problem with wwe and even when they get something organic they like they overproduce it you know like cm punk pipe bomb you know they, they, they could have just easily used the blueprint that roh gave them and, and done a great storyline for months on end where punk goes to different indie shows and defends the wwe title or holds a hostage and then instead they brought him back within two weeks and then he lost to alberto del rio and got beat up by kevin nash and triple h i mean there's countless examples you know Fandango, they overdid that with the whole, um, you know, dancing thing, you know, and the trending on Twitter, and they just they overdo it. There's a, they they do not have subtlety whatsoever, is a problem, and they don't have a lot of youth, uh, I think, at the top level, which is also kind of the problem as well. You know, somebody to tell me, hey, just like, just sit back a minute. Their social media team's great. Their social media team's awesome. I would love for their social media team, who do all, and their YouTube team and their Peacock team to produce raw from a production standpoint, because I think it'd be a lot fresher of a show and more interesting than just this slick, polished, overbooked, overly produced thing that we're getting. And that's from the TV side with the million camera cuts to the finishes themselves with distractions and constant rematches. And I don't know, even the commentary, I like Michael Cole, you know, here and there. And he's, he's, you know, he's a hit or miss at times, but I like this version of Michael Cole, Pat McAfee, but, Oh, you know, oh my God, he almost stole one. No, if you get pinned, you won the match. You didn't steal anything. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah, I haven't watched Raw or SmackDown in over a year. I used to watch every show they put out now, but it's gotten historically bad. Yeah, I agree. It's gotten really bad. It's gotten a little bit better with the crowds, 
But yeah, the show's still kind of boring, and I'm not gonna lie, I don't watch. I don't watch the shows as religiously as I used to. For you know what I mean. I I have much more fun covering the big events, covering some news, interviewing wrestlers. That's I really that's why I enjoy these days. I used to cover every Raw and SmackDown and NXT, and it just I got burned out after a while because one not only was it a lot of work, it was just a lot of the shows weren't that good. So it is what it is. But folks, I'm gonna get on out of here. I appreciate you tuning in. If you have not subscribed to our brand new wrestling channel, TSC Wrestling. Please do so. YouTube.com slash TSC Wrestling. We still have the OG channel, YouTube.com slash The Sports Courier, TSC News, but that's mostly going to be used now for other sports like MMA, NFL, especially the football season. And I wanted to create a dedicated space just for my pro wrestling peeps. So now you have it. You demanded it. You got it. So please support it. YouTube.com slash TSC Wrestling. If you want to buy some merch like what I'm wearing now, the hell yes shirt. I'll see if I can get it on camera here. This cool skull, or maybe the easier Fred than Dunn shirt, which is my best selling shirt. Check out prowrestlingtees.com slash TSC News. And if you want to subscribe to my podcast, all you got to do is go to soundcloud.com slash TSC News or wherever you get your podcasts, search my name, Fred Ricciani, or TSC News Podcast. Click that subscribe button. We'd greatly appreciate it. I'm working on some big interviews coming up, especially for TSC Wrestling. A lot going on as well on the gaming front youtube.com slash tsc gaming so we are certainly keeping busy and man i hope uh, bianca's agents keeping busy because i'd be pretty pissed right now if i were her because that's they did her dirty bianca you deserve better you're amazing shame on wwe until next time everybody as always enjoy the matches and vince mcmahon you kiss my ass yeah I said it. Thanks, Facebook.